This is Richard Sachs. You're back on Lost Arts Radio, and uh, nice to be with you again. We've got uh, a great guest tonight that I actually met indirectly by initially reading one of the articles from a place that he is has founded called North American Law Center that most people haven't heard of, but it turns out to be an important organization that you'd probably like to learn more about. And what the article was talking about is the destruction of of America, the country that I'm sitting in right now, and Doug is, um, by means of executive orders and court opinions, which in this country, even though they're not supposed to, they've kind of given the judicial branch a way of making law uh, by fiat, which is not really law, but people take it that way. It's called precedent. And even in law schools now, they're teaching mostly not not the law itself, not certainly not constitutional law in the federal and state constitutions, but mainly precedent law. And that's not really law per se. So what was so interesting about this article was it was saying that as part of the combined strategy to overthrow America as a precedent to doing the same thing to the rest of the world, really, really focusing on America as a primary target because there's at least some memory of freedom there. And it's the only place I know of that I'm aware of where the federal founding documents incorporate the idea of natural rights that you're not just, I would say born with, but I think they apply before you're born too. And those rights don't come from government or from organizations like the United Nations or the World Trade Organization or the World Anything Organization. They they belong to you and then you hire government as long as there is the consent of the people making it temporarily legitimate anyway. And that it's it's all been turned around and authority organizations and individuals have just assume the role of of being the boss of all the individuals. And as a result of that, or in harmony with that, we're under, I think, what's the biggest coordinated attack against not just humanity, but all life on the planet in world history. And it's so sophisticated that most of the targets of the attack don't even know it's happening. And the awareness 
on the part of at least a, a decent segment of the population has to happen in order to come up with solutions and act on them. So I was interested in this article because it was outlining one strategy that's being used to overthrow America, and I wanted to talk to somebody from the North American Law Center about that and was fortunate to get referred to J.B. Williams, who, if I'm not mistaken, is the founder or at least the main person in charge now. And I want to talk about what's in the article and what North American Law Center does, even though it's not widely known. I was involved in in Michigan and overturning the insane governor's uh, orders that you have to be protected by not being allowed to buy garden seeds and things like that. So we we have a lot to talk about. We're under attack right now, and a strategy of response that can be quickly acted on has to become clear. So welcome, JB. Sorry to talk so long, but I've been really interested to talk to you and share it with everybody else. That gave me a nice break, Richard. Thank you, actually, for talking that long. Yeah, sure. I hope you had a good nap. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, what's the law, North American Law Center and your connection to it and its its background and what it's doing? Well, after that, we'll get to what it's doing now and what are the goals. Well, uh, if you recall, back in uh, 2009, there was the rise of the Tea Party movement. Yeah. And uh, for the first, I didn't have any organizations or belonged to any organizations back then, but I you know, had written columns for a lot of years about all of these things that are going on today. Okay. Uh, over 3,000 published worldwide and um, over almost 30 years now. And trying to warn people and trying to educate people and trying to awaken people to what was going on right under their noses. Mm. And... Um, that was a bit of a challenge, as I'm sure you know. And right. back when 2009, by the time 2009 rolled around, I, you know, up until then, I was like, are the people ever going to wake up, much less stand up? And, um, you know, but then that the Tea Party movement came along. And I was like, well, looky there. OK, the people are starting to wake up and engage. Well, so for the first uh, few months of that in 2009, um, you know, they had their very first big Tea Party rally uh, not too long after that, and uh, very successful. More than two million people there, although even Bill O'Reilly on Fox News only saw 70,000, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, But Park Police put the number somewhere between two million and three million, so that was hugely successful. Except everybody went there and they rallied for a day or two in a, over a weekend when there was no politicians in town. There was no clear agenda. There was no set of uh, requests or demands or grievances or any of those things delivered. And, of course, there was no um, push for, you know, we need you to get back into constitutional compliance or else. Uh, So it was a nice event, but not particularly productive. And um, Mm. so at that point, um, I decided, well, I'm going to write a column about that. And it was titled at the time, Time for the Tea Party to Become Tangible. In other words, to get focused and work on real issues with real solutions. And that particular column uh, got me over 6,000 reader emails um, begging me to start an organization to do that because the Tea Party was not really designed to do that. And I said, well, you know, already there's uh, probably a thousand people or two thousand people setting up their own Tea Parties in their own areas. And so we really don't, we need to be unified, not divided. 
uh, some more. So I don't know if I need to form a, an organization. What if I just work to unify those organizations and make sure they're talking to one another and working together and finding solutions together and moving their agenda together um, rather than starting an organization? And they said, that's a great idea. So I, I tried that. I, I pulled together a team of people, myself and 24 others, 25 total, um, most of them former military uh, or former judges even, um, retired judges and the likes that were also saw what was going on in the country. And we were all very like-minded in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and some former lawyers and some current lawyers and things like that. And, and um, we reached out to all the different groups and said, Hey, we all need to be communicating with one another and coordinating events with one another, working together here. Otherwise, you know, all these little 20 and 200 person uh, Tea Party groups don't have the power to do what they're trying to do. And, uh, you know, we worked on that for six months, talked to you for six months. It became very clear that none of these people really wanted to work with one another (laughs) because, they were afraid that uh, any donations they might be getting would then leave and go somewhere else. And so, well, at, at that point, we're like, okay, so we are going to have to form something. So we formed an organization called U.S. Patriots Union. And we thought that was a great idea um, and a great name uh, to try to organize and communicate with all these different independent groups right. uh, to try to get people working together. And immediately we were attacked and said, well, we hate unions. And I said, well, we're not talking about a labor union here. <laughs> we're talking about in order to create a more perfect union. union. Yeah. And, they, uh, have, they heard of one of those unions called the United States. and Exactly. They were in favor of that one, apparently. Well, at one point they were. Yeah. Um, apparently they forgot about that and they were just opposed to labor unions. They didn't like the, the word labor or union in the name. Okay. And we re- we refused to change it, and um, and so it was a struggle to get it up and running and get people to engage. And, but we did, and we did some very positive things between 2010 and 2000. Uh, I think we formed that in 2010. Um, we did some very good and positive things at the state level and at the federal level between that and 2011. Uh, there was another organization that was out there ahead of us called Veteran Defenders of America, which was originally formed by Colonel James Harding and uh, another retired uh, military person, Richard Van Waugh. Great gentleman. Richard has since passed, and the colonel is now 85 years old. Um, but some of the most uh, honorable people I've ever met in my life, and um, they came to us as Richard's uh, health was ailing and asked us to take over better defenders and make it part of Patriot Union. And at first we you know, we were a little concerned about that because their organization was mostly focused on fighting Islam in America uh, the way they formed it. Mm-hmm. And ours was much broader focused than that. And we were afraid that uh, the veterans that had joined them, you know, may not like how broad our focus was, right. um, based, you know, and things like that. And so when we took them over, we did indeed, uh, we eventually did agree to take over. When we did, within the first year, we lost half of their member base because of all that. Okay. So, so it was a struggle. And a few more years went by, or another couple of years went by. And in uh, 2013, we formed North American Law Center uh, as a division originally of Patriots and just like uh, Patriots Union, just like uh, Veteran Defenders, to do legal work, to draft model legislation, to... Um, 
appear at legislative hearings and the likes uh, and testify or to work with attorneys on important constitutional cases, on military cases as well. We actually started out on some military cases uh, and then transitioned over time into constitutional cases as it grew. So we've been involved since then. That's a long answer to your question, but that's the evolution of how North American Law Center came to be. I am an original founder, but the original founders numbered 25 of us, Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm. of which have since passed, and other ones are still directly engaged. So there you go. Okay, so now, how many people are involved in it now as as active parts of the organization? Well, that's an, that's a question we've always refused to answer because of how people get targeted. Okay, uh, and organizations mm-hmm. get targeted, and and I say refused in a kind way, not in a nasty way. But sure, no, that's um, our, go- our government does not like organizations like us or people like me. Um, so I've always, because I had been writing columns for years, I've always been the more visible person at North American Law Center, mm-hmm. but 90% of everything I do, I couldn't do without everybody else who's there. Right. Uh, it's, just, it's just, we don't disclose who all's there or how many uh, in order to protect them. Cause they're, they're, you know, some of them are retired judges, some of them are active attorneys. Uh, we've had some of the attorneys we've worked with uh, threatened to take their law license and destroy their families and things like that. The usual uh, stuff, went, yeah. You know, the, all the usual stuff. And so mm-hmm. uh, from day one, we knew we needed to protect, you know, the identity and the, the number of people involved. Right. So would you characterize the organization as a legal research group? Absolutely. It's not a law firm. I want to be very clear about that. I'm not a lawyer. Uh, most of the people here are not lawyers. Some are. Um, but this is not a law firm or a lawyer-run organization. This is a citizen-operated, formed-operated uh, research center uh, for constitutional issues, whether they be military law or uh, civilian law. Right. And I think, you know, looking back at U.S. history, that the law in this country was intended to be accessible for regular people, not only attorneys. That's absolutely true. Right. There used to be a difference between attorney and lawyer, actually. Uh, Thomas Jefferson was a lawyer, but he was not an attorney, as an example. Uh, attor- you know, a lawyer back there simply meant someone learned in the law, someone oh, who okay. took, a, took an interest in um, and, and studied law and worked in some uh, facet. You know, in Thomas Jefferson's case, the facet you know, resulted in the writing of the Declaration of Independence. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah, a legal document from someone who's technically would not be considered an attorney today. That's really interesting because they become synonyms. They're supposed yeah. to mean the same thing now. Yeah. <clears throat> so you mentioned that the establishment people really don't like the work of your group too much, and that can't just be because your legal research organization, because that's normally not doing anything that they wouldn't like. It's the focus that you have <clears throat> to support. The, I think if I understand it correctly, just from what I've seen on your site, and your articles to support going back to um, law in harmony with the federal and state constitutions rather than arbitrary orders and uh, precedents and things like that. Is that accurate? Uh, That's a very accurate statement. I would say it this way. um, And it says, I think it's a site when you hit the landing page um, at Mm NorthAmericanLawCenter.org. It it says we are focused on 
the natural rights and natural laws of the American citizens. Yeah. Um, now, uh, most people today have no idea what that word, that phrase means, natural law. Uh, some people have worked hard to get rid of it because they think that that's a statement of religious beliefs. It's actually not, although it, it, it has some uh, connection to that for people who are faith-based people. But it, it, it is as important to an agnostic or uh, someone who is a, a non-believer. In fact, in my opinion, it's more important to them than it is to a, to a faith-based person. Right. Uh, it, it's the fact that our founders chose to place ultimate authority in a higher power based on natural law and natural rights rather than the rights meted out by mere men, uh, elected public servants, if you will, uh, I think was brilliant on their part. I think it was the only thing that has kept us free for or 245 years now, yeah. even though it's waning. But I think it's waning because people no longer know what natural law means. Natural law simply means the laws of nature. And if you read the preamble paragraph in the Declaration of Independence, it establishes clearly that everything the founders were putting together and forming and building from day one was based on the laws of nature. And it says of nature's God. It's right. not specific. It doesn't name a particular God. It simply means a higher power, a higher authority than man. Right, which everybody has those rights. And so that clarifies why you would not be extremely appreciated by the power structure. Be, That's right. Because one of their main requirements is to get everybody out of touch with what their natural rights are and especially using them. Well, there's, you know, today especially, uh, the political theory uh, is that there's no such thing as natural rights. Uh, there's such a thing as. You know, I, I hear people very often say constitutional rights. Well, the, the Constitution does not, if you read it, doesn't create any rights at all. Yeah. Uh, the, the Bill of Rights does not create any rights at all. Uh, what it does, both of those documents were drafted to limit the authority of government, not to enumerate right. the, the many freedoms and liberties of the citizenry. And so, uh, but most people today understand it backwards, and that's because uh, education, public education, and uh, the college campuses have spent a lot of years now uh, turning things upside down and inside out. That's pretty mm -hmm. much what experts do. Yeah, that's the modern educational system. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, th I think that's that's accurate. And, and right now, what you're seeing is one of the major problems in what's happening to to this country and, and really parallel things to countries all over the world is that natural rights are not being acknowledged and followed, right? Well, again, uh, I'm afraid, and, and I would like for this to not be true, but I'm afraid a vast majority of Americans have probably never read, other than maybe in grade school somewhere, mm -hmm. grammar school, uh, the Declaration or the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. Right. Um, and so, uh, unfortunately, I think the majority of Americans are not familiar with those documents, and they're not familiar with the terminologies in them, one of which being natural rights and natural law. Um, I use this example in interviews of natural laws for people who don't understand. Gravity is a natural law. It's a law of nature. Yeah. What that means is the most you can do through science is figure out how to temporarily escape its effects. But in the end, 
because it's a natural law and a law of nature, what goes up will eventually come back down. Mm-hmm. And so what natural law is, is inalienable, unchangeable things like gravity. You cannot make gravity go away on this planet. Uh, you can only scientifically figure out how to escape its effects or overcome its effects temporarily. But sooner or later, what goes up still comes down. And so uh, natural rights work the same way. You can write uh, constitutional amendments. You can write laws. You can write rules. You can write dictates or mandates all you want to. But none of those things have the power to change natural law or natural rights. That's the most important point. Yeah, that's really relevant right now. There was a great cartoon drawn by one of the famous cartoonists that, that's politically commenti- commenting all the time. And it was showing a scene where all the founders were together uh, working on the Constitution. And one of them says, we all understand that this is all void if there's an emergency declared, right? And yeah. that that's basically one of the key issues right now because the government has gotten into the habit of declaring emergencies and basically with the understanding that we would we know that you have all these rights and we're anxious to give them back to you, but for your own safety, we have to suspend them for the moment and we'll let you know as soon as we give them back. Well, that's the thing. You know, today people are much more familiar with the term civil rights, right? Right. Uh, civil rights are rights given to you by men. Yeah. And there's, a, and there's an old saying, he who has given can take it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's the, those are the things they have the power to suspend because those are the things they had the power to give. But natural rights didn't come from men. And they are, you know, the term, by the way, the real term in the original handwritten uh, declaration is inalienable. I N, not UN, unalienable. Uh-huh. Right. And there, and there is a difference, even though today it's treated as a synonym again um, by the experts. There is a difference, and the difference is this: unalienable is part of the definition of inalienable. Unalienable just means it's unchangeable. Okay. Whatever it is, it's un- like gravity is unchangeable. It's unalienable. Okay. Right. Right. Which is part of the definition of inalienable, and the definition, true definition of inalienable is that plus beyond the authority of any governmental, uh, any government. <laughs> that's, that's, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, a lot of times people talk about that the reason the, the government is so great in America with preserving freedoms is because it's a constitutional republic, not a democracy. And I, I think that's a great misunderstanding because... That only makes sense if, according to the value of what's in the Constitution. And you could have a constitutional republic with the Constitution in charge, and the Constitution could say any kind of horrible ideas that took away people's rights, and it wouldn't be a good system. But in this particular country, some really good things were put into the Constitution. And hopefully in the state constitutions, too, although there's very little bit across the country. And that's something else that has not been taught in our school systems for a long time now, maybe over 100 years. I'm not sure, Um, which is why nobody seems to know it anymore, especially the younger generations, Um, is that, I mean, China is a republic. Yeah. You know, at least that's what it's called. Right. 
it's a, it, it, it's what it's called. Okay, there's yeah. lots of different kinds of republics. Russia is a republic. Okay, but they're both run by communist parties. So which right. you know, so so republic by itself doesn't really mean that much. It, there's lots of different kinds of republics. Yeah, just like there's different kinds of de- democracies, right? But right, the right. the key to this, in my opinion, um, is after you know a lot of research and a lot of writing and a lot of involvement in a lot of different things over the years. Uh, the key to all of this, in my opinion, is representative constitutional republic. Three words are necessary. Representative okay. constitutional republic, because. The Republic is just a general statement that it's of by and for the people theoretically, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the word Republic. Constitutional means based on the authorities granted that government in that document, no more, no less. Right. Okay. And representative means whatever it is we're doing, it has to represent the majority of Americans. Any government that represents a small minority of its citizenry is not a republic, and it's certainly not representative. And in this case, it's not constitutional either. Right. And and the whole uh, value of that kind of a system depends on what's actually in the Constitution that you're referring to. Of course. And so, you know, um, probably some of the people listen to you, and hopefully a lot of them that listen to you are familiar with Article 1 of the Constitution and Article 2 and Article 3. Article 1 forms the legislative branch. That's the only branch of government in the country, in the federal government, that has the, any authority at all to create laws. Right. And they, in the Constitution, are limited to creating only laws which are not themselves in violation of the Constitution itself. Yes. Or the Bill of Rights. So even, even the lawmaking branch is very restricted by the language of these documents. And um, but then you move to Article two, which forms the executive branch. Executive means to execute. It means execute the laws of the land. Right. It's, it's not a policy department. The policies get set over in the lawmaking, you know, division over in the lawmaking branch of government. Right. That's who sets establishes the law and the policies of this country in, a, in accordance theoretically with the Constitution and Bill of Rights. Yeah, the the executive branch is simply there to execute that, not to create it, not to change it, not to rewrite it, not to overrule it right. uh, by by decree or executive order. Um, and they had the you know the Article Two branch has absolutely no lawmaking authority whatsoever. So as far as I'm concerned, which is again I'm explaining to everybody here why we protect the idea of the people who work here <laughs> mm-hmm. because uh, everything I'm saying is at odds with everything every American supposed to accept and believe now. And so, right. you, know, you know, an executive order to me means absolutely nothing unless I happen to be an employee of the executive branch, in which case those executive orders are designed to administer and execute the laws of this land throughout its uh, department. Right. So, for example, the Department of Justice, uh, which it works for the executive branch and is part of it, could be controlled by an executive order of the president. They could only to the degree that the executive order, just like the legislative branch, um, has to be uh, within the continuation and furtherance 
of the ideas, concepts in the U.S. Constitution Bill of Rights. So uh, once again, no executive order. Yes, the executive order is there to, to issue orders throughout the executive branch. That's what they're there for. They're not there to rule over the people like an independent dictator. So that's a really important misconception that's been fostered by the media and the government agency spokesmen and that's other correct. people. That mm-hmm. um, we have these three branches, which unfortunately, thanks to modern education, most Americans could not name. And um, when the president gets tired of waiting for those uh, other two branches to do what what the president wants, then he or she just issues an order and becomes the royalty. And that's an executive order, how it's understood now. Which, by the way, would fall under the definition of a monarchy. Yes. Uh, with, with a king or queen or a, a pure dictatorship, unbridled dictatorship, a single right. uh, totalitarian authority. Um, and, and so, I, you know, anybody who knows even a little bit about all this knows that that's not right. It's not, uh, it's not the way our system of government is designed. And it's not what the Constitution says. It's not what the Bill of Rights says. It's not what the Declaration of Independence says. And for more than 100 years, it's not how we functioned as a country. Right. Uh, but that brings me to the next legal term, which is common law. We do not have natural law courts in this country anymore. We have common law courts now. Common law is a British concept of law, meaning simply the law of commons, which essentially means as time change and views change, um, everything needs to change with it, and judges will decide what needs to change and when. Hmm. It's essentially granting themselves the power in the third branch to amend the Constitution or change a law or eliminate a law by simply issuing an opinion of the court. Third, third referring to judicial branch, right? Correct. Third judicial branch. And Jefferson wrote extensively about this almost immediately after the adoption of the Constitution. They realized that they had made a terrific error by not pinning the hands and tying the hands of the judiciary to prevent them from being able to do what they're doing today. And that was going to be the undermining of the, of the Constitution Bill of Rights right there. That was so, going to be the end of the, the republic. Is common law the same then as precedent law? It is. Precedent law, case law, common law, those are all British common law. I get it. Okay. Boy, that's interesting because it's so misunderstood that a lot of people who really want to help the country are saying, we need to get back to common law to get around all this corruption. And and they are exactly backwards. Common law is what they are using to Mm -hmm. undermine natural law. (laughs) <laughs> this is really important. It might even be a good idea for the educational system, if it was valid, to be teaching this from first grade on or so. It absolutely would. And, uh, you know, and again, we used to teach these things. You know, my daughter, um, several years back when she was in high school, mm-hmm. you know, I would check her homework at night before she'd go in if I was in town right. the next day and turn it in. And she handed me her homework at night in history class. And, I looked at it and I said, well, this is not right. And she said, well, that's what's in the textbook. And it said yeah. that the lawmaking branch of government is the judiciary on wow. her paper. Wow. And, I said, well, I, and I said, no, it's not. And she said, well, that's what's in the book. And I said, well, bring me the book. So she did and opened mm-hmm. it up and showed me the page. Sure enough, that's exactly what the history book said. 
Wow. So I, so I wrote a note to her teacher, her history teacher, and I said, don't do this in class to embarrass anybody or upset anybody. Do it before or after class, but go up when you have a minute and hand him this note and open the book. I stuck it in the page where it says that. Uh-huh. Hand him this note and tell me what he says. And so she did the next day. And he opened the book and looked, read my note and looked at her and said, tell your dad he's right, but I have to teach what, what they tell me to teach. And what year was this in? This would have been 10 years ago. Okay, because it goes along with what I've been noticing about education and other professions is that teachers used to be hired and listened to for the wisdom that they had from their own life and learning and study. And gradually teachers have been on all levels from elementary school to MD and PhD training. Teachers have become facilitators of a preset um, program that they're supposed to facilitate and they're supposed to talk about not from what they know. And, and like that teacher said, uh, he could have been fired from telling the truth. And, and I'm sure he was telling the truth. I'm sure that that would be the case. And I had several right. meetings over those years because of what I do and who I am. <laughs> I had several meetings with um, my kids' schools, much to their dismay. <laughs> they, uh, I, I, got, I got to the point, I thought they were going to pass them no matter whether they showed up or not, just so I would stop coming to the school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Kids like to fit in with everybody else and keep things smooth, which is understandable. Sure. But the reason any of this academic uh, issues m- matters, besides just being what's true, is that there's a problem happening in America, which is... Uh, simultaneous with a similar problem all over the world, but it's really targeting America because of the freedom concept and the natural rights of, referred to in the founding documents. And the problem is the country's being uh, sim- systematically destroyed. One of the ways that that's happening is to get everybody to forget what the function of government and law is supposed to be. And, and to the point where now... People think if there's an emergency, you don't have any more rights, according to who's in charge, you know, until they decide it's safe to give them back. And I think in a free country that America was supposedly designed to be, you can government can suggest special measures in, in an emergency, but they can't take away natural rights, no matter what the emergency is, real or imagined. Would you the agree truth is- I totally well. The way I would say it is, they have no authority to take away natural rights. They can. Yeah, take they them. can. They, they're demonstrating that they can. That's You're right. right. They, <laughs> yeah, they can do it, but only if the people don't know what their natural rights are or won't defend them. That's right. the only way government can do it, and that's what we're watching right now. And when you violate the Constitution, and you're a federal official or any kind of official, would you say that that's illegal to do that? Uh, I would say it's illegal. I'd say it's unconstitutional. And I'd actually say it's a crime. Um, it is a crime, are, but what I'm getting at is, is there a statute or a, anything written, written that says what happens to you if you do that? Well, if you are violating the Constitution, especially under oath from a position of power, right. think about this the way we think about a school teacher. You know, if it's a stranger on the street who does something inappropriate with our child, mm-hmm. that's one thing. But if it's someone we have entrusted with the well-being of our child, like a school teacher, 
Mm-hmm. The the offense is 10 times worse. And the same thing is true with elected officials. They all come on a campaign stump and tell us what they believe in and what they're going to do and why they're going to do it. And then they get into office. And most of the time, that's not what they do. Um, immediately, it goes yeah. from be getting into office to how do I get reelected um, so I can stay in office. And get a lot and, of insider uh, deals in the meantime. Not for money and power. You know what? The only uh, industry in this country today that is an absolute get-rich-quick scheme is politics. That's right. A a public servant selflessly serving the people. Correct. And, uh, you know, Barack Obama is a fantastic example. He came in dead broke. I mean, I do mean dead broke, like on the verge of bankruptcy. Yeah. And left office eight years later worth, you know, more than $20 million. It must be incredible frugality, right? He's just saved his salary. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can do the math. It's 400,000 a year salary, eight years. You can't get to 20 million that way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe that's why they had to teach new math after that. Maybe so. Maybe maybe that's the new math requirement, right? That we got it. Yeah. Now we, now we do all of our accounting by a baseline, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. And how you feel about it is important, too. Um, yes. But um, my question, the reason I asked if it was written down, I understand what you're saying, that it's ethically an obvious crime and really an immoral thing to misuse your trust. But under it, it, it is it is also unlawful. There are statutes on the books that make it a federal crime. There are, okay. I can't I can't tell you what they're off the top of my head right now, but we have used them in many cases against uh, politicians over the years. Why and, are uh, so many getting away without being accountable? Because because nobody there's nobody to hold them accountable. The courts are corrupted beyond belief and maybe yeah. beyond repair. Uh, yeah. The legislature has become nothing more than a um, you know a debate team uh, that is largely subservient to the executive branch. Yeah, uh, you know, and the executive branch has essentially become a dictatorship, and that's not something new with Joe Biden. It's not. It wasn't new with Donald Trump. It wasn't even new with with um, Barack Obama. It has become increasingly that over the years. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, who thought? Whatever you think happened in the 2020 elections, I happen to know what happened in the 2020 elections. It was absolutely a stolen election by massive amounts of fraud, and the evidence is overwhelming to support that. Video documentation of a lot of it. Well, first off, you cannot change election laws in the middle of an election. Okay. Quoting you, you're you're not allowed to, but they they demonstrated that they can, right? That's right. And so, and even worse, it wasn't the legislative branches who did it. It was a governor who did it, uh, yeah. along with the secretary of state, argued by the attorney general of the state, backed up by, uh, you know, the election officials in the state. And so, um, but, you know, we proved, you mentioned in, in the intro to all this, that we were involved in overturning uh, Governor Whitmer's executive orders in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's a very interesting case because, and we were directly involved in it. And I'll tell you, um, I can give you short versions or long versions right now. I'll give you the short. Uh, in the end, the Supreme Court, we had been telling people for almost a year at that point that the, that the state Supreme Court was the appropriate court to go directly to. Don't mess around in the lower courts. Don't go to the federal courts. Right. Fortunately, 
the, the, you know, a lot of the lawyers out there didn't listen. They went to the federal courts, the lower courts, and all got either tossed out uh, or whatever for lack of standing because they're in the wrong courts mm-hmm. for that for that right. particular issue. Um, right. But one federal judge, fortunately, in one of the cases, saw the cases, read the cases, and said, this is not the right court. I'm going to send it myself to your state Supreme Court, <laughs> and they're going to have to answer this. That was great. Well, that, yeah. that was the break we needed right there. That was the break we needed because the minute they did that, we knew we had a win. Uh, right. There was no, you know, the, the, the law was very clear, um, and it is in all 50 states, actually, and in the country. The laws although, are very clear. Although you were fortunate also because those justices were in the state Supreme Court were somewhat, you know, legitimate, too. They weren't totally corrupted. There's only three that were corrupted. Um, on that court, and uh, and we knew that going in, you know, okay. months ahead of that, we knew that. We always do our research. We know who we're going in front of, and we know, you know, what the lay of the land is. That's our job. That's what we do. Yeah. Uh, when we work behind lawyers or law firms or um, you know legislators, it's our job to tell them the lay of the land so they know they know how to navigate the lay of the land and accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. We're working with the senator, you know, in another state right now who's terrifically under fire. I won't name it because it, we're in the middle of it all. Okay. But, um, but um, uh, you know, the ones who are brave enough and honorable enough to stand up, they immediately come under massive assault, massive assault. Yeah. And not and not just from the other party. Uh, they'll come under massive assault from their own party as well. Uh, exactly. The, and so, the members of their own party that are paid off to be corrupt, right? Yeah, and you know when you know people say paid off, and that can mean a lot of different things. Well, um, I'm including blackmail and threats. Sure, sure, and, and that all that's all very effective stuff, even more so than money. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so, um, so in any event, what happened in Michigan was we did get a full seven to nothing, seven to zero. A decision from the high court in, in the state uh, that everything Gretchen Whitmer had done since April 28, I think it was, of um, 2020 was unlawful and unconstitutional, flat out, period. Yeah. She was doing it, and this is duplicated in a lot of other states, including the one we're working with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, she hid behind a law passed in 1945 during World War II that was really designed and, and put in place in some states, not all of them, but in some states as a emergency uh, switch if the war was on our turf, if the war moved to, to our soil. Um, oh, and, it, and, it, and it's never been used for anything until COVID-19. And all of a sudden they dredged up this 1945 law uh, for the emergency powers of the governor. And that's what they were doing it all under. And it was so egregious. We argued two points. One, the the executive branch has no lawmaking authority or rulemaking authority or executive order authority down to the population. They can, you know, again, they can order their branch, but that's all they can order. Yeah. Um, And so, and number two, so therefore everything she had done was unlawful. But number two, we made a second argument that the 1945 law itself was unlawful. And we won that part four to three. 
that comes up with the question of in a real emergency of the worst kind you can imagine, can you then take, well, are you allowed to then take away the natural rights of the population? No, sir. What I would say are, no, because they can just declare it a real emergency, whether it is or not. That well, and they can create one, as they did with COVID-19. Right, exactly, exactly. So, so um, But the answer to your question is no. Now, what they can do constitutionally and lawfully uh-huh. uh, is they can temporarily suspend them in a true state of emergency for up to 30 days. The problem After, with that is who gets to decide whether it's true or not? Well, the legislature, because the legislature has to then, in that 30-day period, vote to extend it, and, they, and they're not going to do that if, they, if there's no real emergency in, in 9 out of 10 cases. Or if they do, then, then courts may or may not object, uh-huh. and the people are certainly going to object, I thought until 2020 (laughs) and then when i saw how easy it was to get 90 percent of americans to put on a mask and stay at home and you know give up how how they pay their bills um i was absolutely in shock i just never imagined americans would behave in the way they have and and again michigan is a prime example even after we got those rulings people still and they knew it it was all over the news it was all over national and international news even that we had gotten those rulings, all of her orders were thrown out, and the law she was hiding under was also thrown out. And um, and so, and people still kept following the restrictions. And they kept following her orders anyway because of their fear. They're scared not to. You know, th- this is really relevant and important stuff. I hope people realize that the country's in danger of total destruction right now, and these are the ideas that are going to end up showing whether there is or is not a solution. One of the questions that needs to come up in this Michigan issue is, why do you think she did that? Was she do? Was it her idea? Or was she following orders from her bosses? You, are you talking about the governor? Yeah. Well, uh, she's she's following orders from her bosses. She she has big aspirations. Always has had. She was a prosecutor before she was a governor. Yeah. Uh, she's always had big political aspirations. Wants to go to the Senate. Uh, U.S. Senate, you know, maybe wants to be vice president or president someday. So she's playing ball with the people who run uh, essentially what I would refer to as the COVID scam. Right. So so most people are not aware that governors have bosses in that category. Who would you say that what kind of bosses are are we talking about? Well, we're definitely talking about political bosses, um, you know, and, and people talk about what Joe Biden's doing or not doing or Kamala Harris is doing or not doing. And I, and my opinion is neither one of those people are running anything other than their mouths. They're totally doing that. They're you know, doing they're, that according to specific instructions. They are given in specific instructions. Now, the question is, who who's the puppet master? We know who the puppets are. Who's the puppet master? Well, yeah. there's more than one, in my opinion. Yes. Um. They're not all even in this country or part of this country. Right. Um, and um, But I can assure you the central management point of what's going on in this country right now is Barack Obama. That's interesting. So he's like a, a high-level manager at least, right? That, that's, that's correct. He'd be like, I think he's like the general manager of all this for the United States. But even he has bosses. Yeah, absolutely. There's many steps above that. But as far as visible people, he's probably 
right up there, like you say. Mm-hmm. And he's had the cooperation of at least two out of the three former other former presidents, uh, George Bush and mm-hmm. um, and George Bush Senior before he passed, and Junior. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Jimmy Carter, for as far as I'm concerned, um, is a pretty nice guy. We disagree politically, but I don't think he's a bad guy with yeah, evil yeah. intentions. Yeah, um, I got that impression too. But I would and, uh, I would add I would add Bill Clinton to the group that you just mentioned. Bill Clinton is uh, is the other one. That is correct. And 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 actually, Bill doesn't run Bill. Hillary runs Bill. Well, you're talking about Hillary. Yeah, Bill's a yeah. subsidiary. Right. And and the only reason, again, for for a little bit of analysis of how this fits together, is the the only point of even understanding any of this is to fix the situation before it's too late. There's no other purpose to even having a conversation. Yeah, or even doing the studying or anything. It's no. just solution oriented. So uh, you know, there's enough to talk about here for ten hours. I understand why you. We're happy that we weren't going to just do a 15-minute segment, but, you know, getting to what we can right now, one of the things is um, when you look at the Constitution and your point that it's natural rights that empower people, it's not the Constitution, but the Constitution was affirming natural rights and, and asserting limits on the federal government, actually. Um, but when you get into a fascistic situation where the controllers that are behind the scenes that you've mentioned some of uh, want to overturn, control, and destroy a country, they don't necessarily use official government agencies. They partner those with so-called private corporations, which merge, Absolutely. They merge Absolutely. at higher levels. Right? Absolutely. But I would... I would um I would put a caveat on that, that that is largely the international corporations, not the small mom and pop you know, restaurant corporation. Yeah. And, it, and it's further complicated by the fact that unknown, unbeknownst to most people now, almost every government agency is also a private corporation. That's correct, too. Yep. I don't think that's widely known. So the, the thing that, that they partly hide behind other than the fact that the higher bosses are not publicly visible is that the the constitution limits the official government it supposedly doesn't limit corporations and that hasn't been solved yet as far as i know what do you think about that well on this particular topic i want to say one thing first i've had people come to me for 25 years and say you don't understand, JB, the United States is a corporation. And it is absolutely not a corporation. Uh, the United States of America was never incorporated. Every time somebody said that to me, I would say, give me the incorporating docs. Give me yeah, the show annual, me the documents. Right. Show me the documents. Show me the annual reports. Show me the, uh, the minutes of the meetings. Okay? Because right. a corporation has to have all those things or it's going to be administratively closed. Okay. That's right. I, so, I've asked for and not gotten the same thing, but I'm referring to the agencies, which you, I think, can find documents on. You uh, absolutely can on some of the agencies, not all of them, but on some of them. Right. And, and also and, the and, private and, ones like Amazon and... and sure, uh, that's right. And so, well, and people don't understand that even if it's a totally private entity like Amazon, mm-hmm. they don't understand that those entities do contracts with the government. Right. 
you know, Bezos took a $600 million contract to build a government cloud for the federal government. And right. Amazon and Bezos control that. So who do you think, as the government monitors and records everybody, every conversation, every text, every place you go on the Internet? Right. You know, who do you think, besides the federal government, has a copy of that? Amazon. Of course, and, and, and anybody all, Amazon all wants to share, it. and every, anybody Amazon wants to share it with or sell it to. Y- yeah, okay. exactly. And they're and theoretically so, not limited by the Constitution. Not limited at all. They are not under the Constitution. They are as citizens, and they're under laws as it pertains to corporate behavior. But they're not governed by uh, any article in the Constitution or under the Bill of Rights. Those two right. things apply to the federal government only. Right. And so, um, so there you go. So what stops the crime being done through corporations that are not subject to the Bill of Rights? Well, I still think, um, what, you know, again, when you're talking the law, whether you're talking civil suit or you're talking criminal law, first and foremost, you have to have a court system that is functioning on the law. Without that, Right. Um, then it doesn't matter whether you sue them or whether you file criminal charges against them. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how you try to address that issue without legitimate courts functioning on the basis of law itself, which we don't have right at this moment. Yeah. Um, then you're, you're whistling past the graveyard. And what is it that determines whether a court is going to function correctly or not? Well, it, it depends, again, on the, on the different levels. Federal court judges are appointees. They're political appointees, and, and they're lifetime appointees, uh, unless somebody removes them. You know, mm-hmm. Bill Clinton came in, and he fired pretty much all of the prior um, uh, judges and all of the prior prosecutors, and he put his own in. Right. And Barack Obama came in, and he did the same thing. Um, Donald Trump came in and he didn't do it and should have because that's the only way he could have even begun to clear up that particular part of the swamp. There was a lot he didn't realize, and that was one of the things. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Including and, the and, and a lot of people, and a lot of people also assume that the Department of Justice is part of the judicial branch. That's not true. No. The Department of Justice is part of the executive branch. Right, and he didn't clean that up either. He left the old... No, there. he tried to. Uh, and I used to think that Jeff Sessions wouldn't be necessarily a bad pick until he was a bad pick. Right. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, who, who hires a guy that recuses himself from doing the job he's applying for <laughs> before well, he's hired? You know, I mean, who does that? And, Trump and, uh, turned out not- to be um, not very good at hiring people to help him. They all turned out to be his enemies. And uh, he was surrounded uh, the entire four years by far more enemies than friends. Yes. Yeah. 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 Almost entirely. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just, the reason I'm fishing around like this and trying to look at different parts is what we said a few minutes ago. I, I really want us to find successful solutions. And one of the questions that comes up since you mentioned Michigan is since that the state court came to the obvious correct conclusion and, and stop that in theory, is the governor acting a lot better now? No, not at all. She's as tyrannical as, as she ever was. So is the Secretary of State. So is the Attorney General of that state. Um, because, in, in, you know, people have talked a lot. They've thrown a lot of different solutions around. 
You know, some people are supporting Article 5 convention. Well, there's a number of things wrong with that idea. That's um, a terrible first, idea. That's yeah. a terrible idea. <laughs> I mean, if you understand what it takes to amend the U.S. Constitution, you should understand that you're asking the swamp to clean itself in that process, which yeah. will never happen. And to promise to be good. Yeah. What they'll do instead is they'll take the opportunity you handed them and they'll put you deeper in the hole. And end, they'll end the Bill of Rights and anything and else then, they can do. Yeah. That's right. The worst thing that could happen right this minute in this country is to open up the Constitution and Bill of Rights to uh, amendment. That's the absolute worst thing that could happen right now. And, I, and again, it's, it's the dumbing down of, of the citizenry that has people, you know, good, good, honest, decent, patriotic people yeah. following, following that idea because they simply don't know enough to not follow it. And um, but, you know, if you research even a little bit and talk to people who know and understand the process uh, of all that, you would yourself very quickly decide that is absolutely a suicide mission. Yeah, not do it, you know, but there's I don't know how many main people secession. People talk about secession. We're going to just secede from the union. Well, that means you're going to secede from the U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights. And, you know, that's the mm-hmm. Declaration of Independence. That's the very thing you're trying to protect. Why would you leave it? Right. Well, and, and in addition, in the world environment right now, there are all the countries outside of this one are not all friendly. And, no. And, okay. and, and not only that, but even within the country, we're not friendly right now. And right. that would put a, a single state, one of 50, that secedes from the union on a war footing with the other 49 instantly. These mm-hmm. are things that sound good when you're mad and you yeah. had a couple you had a couple cocktails, maybe, right. you know. Uh, but when you wake up the next morning and you get past your hangover and you start actually thinking it through, it's not, yeah. again, it's another suicide mission. Yeah. Um, wow. I did that. You know, that's <laughs> exactly, exactly. I got that. I did that. And I got a tattoo. Right. What was, right. I, what was I doing last night? You know, which one of the founders, was it Franklin that said this will only work with, um, what did he say? An educated populace? A moral society. Moral society, yeah. A moral society. Now, again, you know, one of the ways that they undermine all of this, too, is they are constantly changing the meanings of words. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I always use the gay example. You know, 50 years ago, you said, Johnny's really gay. You thought Johnny's really happy. You wouldn't exactly. thought Johnny was a homosexual, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but today, everybody understands gay means something completely different. Yeah. And so they're constantly marriage. You know, if you just said marriage 50 years ago, everybody understood that's one man, one woman. They're going to probably have some kids, you know. Mm-hmm. But today you say marriage, and it can mean anything between marrying two ketchup bottles to yeah, you know, anything under the sun, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah. uh, you know, so that's one of the other ways. That's one of the ways academia plays a significant role in undermining natural rights and, and uh, natural law. Yeah. And, and that's how they have adopted, adopt, you know, amending the Constitution by simply changing the meaning of the words in it. Yeah, it's a much faster, efficient process, right? You can do whatever you want. You know, back when the Constitution was adopted, general welfare didn't mean food stamps and a free Obama phone. Yeah, exactly. And, and that all men are created equal doesn't mean they get equal stimulus checks. It doesn't, and but it does mean all mankind, you know, because you you have heard a lot of people over the years go, well, well, what about the women? 
No. Oh, no. The use use of the word men. The the word men, both genders. All mankind. All mankind. All human life. All human beings. It didn't say all white men. It said all men. Right. That included kids and everybody. Sure. So, yeah, I agree. I'm just looking for, you know, how to turn it around. And one of the essential elements, um, if you look at how people have become so ignorant of, of... really the entire situation. I think a lot of the credit goes to the current educational system and a lot of it also goes to the media. And so we don't have a news media in this country. We don't have a news media. People don't realize they're way back. Um, forties, fifties, somewhere along in there, the government formed, uh, an operation called operation mockingbird. You ever heard of that? Yeah. Operation Mockingbird, most people have not heard of that. Most people haven't read the Constitution. We've established that already. It did not come from the Audubon Society. No, it did not come from the Audubon Society. Operation Mockingbird was a CIA operation of of flooding information and controlling information into the news media to set public opinion and perceptions of what was going on in the country and in the world coming out of the CIA into the mainstream media, working with journalists. Right. Okay. Well, that was theoretically allegedly done away with, uh, during, uh, some Senate hearings on it where people that were objecting to that going on, they essentially closed down that program. I think somewhere along in the mid seventies or so, give or take, but they, but they closed the program, but they didn't change the practice. What they did instead is they started going to the top journalism schools in the country and they would take the top grads coming out of each class and they would hire them at the CIA and train them to do exactly what they were doing under Project Mockingbird. And then they would send them to get a job at CNN and ABC and NBC and so on and so forth. So it's on a worse scale now than it was under Project Mockingbird. Yeah, it's just like there's a network of mafias controlling everything behind the scenes. And they're basically saying, what are you going to do about this? You know, I mean, we're just going to keep running it the way we want. And And people, you know, and people attack, you know, the CIA or NSA and these other agencies. And there's with good cause and good reason. But, you know, you have to remember that those agencies operate very similar to the military. um, Right. In the sense that, you know, you follow orders or you leave one of the two. Everybody's following orders of whoever's above them, right? Exactly. That's right. And so, and many do leave, whether it's the military or an agency or law enforcement, tons of law enforcement officers are leaving across the country right now. Which makes it worse because the ones that are left are willing to go along. Of course, of course. That means all the only people left, it's like politics. It's like when people decide, you know, over the last several years, they're, they're more frustrated with their Republicans than the Democrats because Republicans are acting like Democrats after the election. So they leave the, de- the Republican Party. Well, guess who that leaves behind in the Republican Party? Yeah, it's, you know? it's an automatic filtering mechanism. Sure. And so all you're doing is their work for them when you leave. They want you gone. <laughs> so after, <laughs> after you were involved with um, the situation in Michigan and you succeeded, except for the detail that the governor kept acting the same way, and the people. And the people, more importantly, the people kept, kept obeying. The same way. They kept yeah, obeying things that were not yeah. law anymore. Right. More so, importantly, the people didn't change how they were behaving. 
So what did you take from that? What, what did you come out with? Well, pretty much the same thing I did when I saw how easy it was to get most Americans to lock down in their homes and put a mask on. Um, yeah. The minute I, I'll tell you, the minute I saw that, literally the minute, the day, the first time in January I heard the word COVID-19 mm-hmm. and pandemic. I picked up the phone with the other leaders at North American Law Center and got on a conference call and I said, did everybody just hear that? And they said, yep. And I said, regime change. That's what that was. That's regime change. That, that was, that's what, that's what we've done to other countries for years. Yeah, but it, but it was also more, right? Because now there's another regime, even if it's a fake one, it's a different regime. But the actual bosses in the program are just accelerating as if it's the same thing. Well, and, and, I, and I must say, you know, I voted for Donald Trump both times. At a default, who else am I going to vote for? Exactly. By default. And, and, and um, obviously, he's a smart man. He's a driven man. And yeah. I, I think after watching him for four years, he's a more patriotic man than I thought he was before. Yeah. Uh, but even in his case, you can't help but wonder. You know, he's out there telling people to take these vaccines right now alongside everybody else. And I, in, in that world, more, more extreme with it now than before. Yeah. And, and I'm like, you know, one of two things has to be the case. Either he hasn't done his own research and he's still listening to the wrong advisors or somebody's got a gun to his head. Yeah. And, and I ha- tend to think that um, he probably doesn't know. I mean, that seems really strange to a lot of people because I, I agree that Trump is intelligent, IQ-based, you know, in that way. But mm-hmm. I know a, a lot of very smart people, some of whom are really well-meaning and like Trump, they would sacrifice for the country and all that. And they totally believe in the nonsense about the pandemic and vaccines. They yeah, honestly- and it, 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 yeah, and it just makes no sense. I mean, it makes no, uh, like I said, this, the very first time I heard the words, I said regime change. That's what this is. This isn't about a pandemic. It's not about an illness. It's not about a virus. You know, it's about regime change. And right. I didn't know quite sure how they were going to carry it out until I saw that they were going to carry beyond that 14 days or two months and keep the country on lockdown for the balance of the year, which allowed them to do totally unregulated mail-in balloting. And that's yeah. how they were going to do it. 15 days to flatten the curve, so it's going to be over any second now. Exactly. Um, But now that the regime has changed, this program is not slowing down, so it's obviously for for other purposes as well, such as destroying uh, small business and the natural economy, making everybody fully dependent on a conditional income from government, which you get if you live the right way and think the right thing and say the right thing. I mean, now that the regime has changed, there's still major reasons why it's still going, right? You know, when this, uh, the first stimulus check came out, it was what, $1,200, I think? Yeah. I never got one, never filed for one. Um, and neither did anybody in my family. Right. Um, I, I, I will I will go to my grave before I will ask the federal government to help me do anything. One of the things that people don't know about the stimulus program is that most of it doesn't go to American citizens at all. Not at all. Not at all. 
Right. It's just totally incredible. I mean, the list of the things that the first stimulus went to, uh, and I don't know what it really went to, but was on the list was like, you know, boat repair in Singapore or something like that. It was unbelievable stuff. You know, they the first one I think was twelve hundred dollars. Trump managed to eke through six hundred dollars. Yeah, uh, right before he you know was forced out of office um, by fraud. Yeah, and then uh, two months later, three months later, whatever the Biden administration finally gave them the other um, fourteen hundred dollars that Trump tried to give him back in November, December, or, or October, and yeah. uh, and so you add that together, two thousand twelve hundred thirty two hundred dollars over the course of more than a year. Right, that's how cheap the average American was bought right there. Thirty two hundred dollars spread over a course of more than a year. Right, and the, and they almost almost nobody in the country understands the original values that the country was founded on. No. Now, now they think that, well, individualism and freedom were great because they didn't know that you could be a lot more secure if you depend on the government. Well, the bottom line is, whether people like hearing it or not, I'm not in the win friends business. I'm in the tell people what they need to know business. Right. And the bottom line is, everybody who took $3,200 from the federal government over the last uh, 14, 15 months sold their freedom, their liberty, their future, their kids, their grandkids, their businesses, justice by any means. Um, they sold it all for a pittance of $3,200. And, of, uh, you know, and, and I don't, I, I really cannot afford to care whether people like hearing that or not. That's the truth. Yeah. Um, part of it too, is the understanding about, basic economics is that if the money's not backed by precious metal, which is what the founders required for a, re- for a good reason, because it eliminates all um, inflation completely, is that um, if you just drop that connection between solid goods and paper money or computer-based money, then the money, the value of the money goes down in proportion to the quantity that you issue. And well, eventually it becomes worth nothing. Well, I'm not an expert in this particular arena, but I'll give you my opinion anyway. Okay. Good. <laughs> my opinion is whether you're talking about a paper note, the Federal Reserve note, or you're talking about precious metals, silver, gold, and things like that, mm-hmm. everything you could possibly name has a perceived value. Right. Perceived value. Okay. The fact is gold's value today is different than it was a week ago, different than it was a year ago, and different than it was 10 years ago and 20 years ago and 50 years ago. And the reason why is because perceptions change of what the value of that item is. Okay. Sometimes it goes up. Sometimes it goes down. That's true of all of it. The issue for me isn't whether we're on a gold-backed currency or not. We have been twice before, and we got into you know, some financial trouble doing it that way as well. It's just a different type of trouble caused by different types of problems. Um, I mean, and we could never return to the gold standard today. We don't have anywhere near enough gold to back even a third of the currency we have in circulation. We'd go belly up in, an, in a heartbeat if we tried to go on it right this minute. 
The issue is the debt. The issue is debt spending. You, you know, you and I are not allowed to spend money we don't have. If you and I go out and we just do whatever we feel like doing all day long, every day, for as long as we can do it, we just keep writing checks and they keep bouncing. Sooner or later, they're going to put us in jail for that. Right. But the government somehow is immune from prosecution for doing exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. Yeah. You know, and we, you know, the crazy is even gotten to beyond, you know, when people talk about, well, we owe China. Okay. So we owe China. We owe this. We owe this country. We owe that country. Okay. That's not the worst of it. The worst of it is we print it in the back room. We borrow it from ourselves. It's not real. We pay interest on it. None of it is real. Okay. The whole system is not real. It's the greatest Ponzi scheme ever created on Earth's history. That's what it is. Right. And the other thing is that when that becomes your only source of income and it's conditional, then it becomes a tool to eliminate dissent. And that's of why course. one of the reasons they're crushing small businesses right now. You know, we all grew up in my age bracket years. We all grew up hearing a lot of one-liners that stuck with us the rest of our lives, right? Things like the borrower is slave to the lender. Right, exactly. But people okay. used to understand that, too. Yes, and but I guarantee you that phrase has not been uttered in an American schoolhouse in 50 years. So as long as we have the current corrupt education system, it's really hard to get people aware of what's going on, right? It is. You know, people, my experience, and there's reasons why I have some experience with this elsewhere in the world, People, the founders were right. If you go back and read that Declaration of Independence in that very second section, you know, talks about our inalienable rights. And, and if we don't like what our government's doing, we have the right to abolish it, you know, and mm-hmm. to do whatever we want to do until it's right again. All of yeah. which is true. But then the next section following that is essentially, however, and I'm paraphrasing, yeah. human nature has taught us that people are, 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 uh, are most likely going to do nothing as long as the pain is sufferable. Only when it becomes insufferable are people willing to get up and do something about something. And that has been true throughout world history. Uh, and it's certainly proving to be true in this country right now. Yeah. And what the, what the rulers figure is if we wait too long to get to that point, there won't be any way to take it back. Well, look what they've done. In just the last 10 years, they've put a full court press on releasing convicted felons back into general population. Right. Well, repeat offenders. And of course, they come out and they repeat offend again. Okay. Right. Uh, at the same time, they want law enforcement reform, which hamstrings or eliminates law enforcement because unless you're willing to go out and get shot for trying to arrest somebody that was busy trying to pass um, counterfeit money while he's high on fentanyl, uh, unless you're willing to risk your life to go to try to stop that, who wants to be a cop anymore? Well, that's that's the automatic filtering process like in the military and everywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again. And then last but not least, once you put all the felons back on the street and token all the cops off the street, all the decent cops anyway, off the streets, the people Uh who can go do something else for a living. Right. um, 
Once you've done that, of course, the last step is to take the weaponry from the citizenry. And, yeah. uh, that, and that's the next step for them. That's where they're going next. You know about problem, reaction, solution, right? So I do. If they cause helplessness and chaos and everybody is supposed to beg for a complete military dictatorship and they'll say, well, if you insist, I guess we'll have to do that. You know, the thing is, uh, people keep talking, again, I'll come back to the whole solution thing, because unless we talk about solutions, we're just wasting our time. That's right. Um, There's no point without that. You know, and I've been doing this for going on 30 years. Right. Over that time span, there was hundreds of things that could have worked that nobody wanted to do. And here we are now where almost nothing anyone's proposing can even work. And the reason why the left, I can't, I refer to them to the left just so that people know who I'm talking about. Okay. The yeah. people that are working around the clock to destroy this country, which includes a lot of Republicans. Okay? Right. Right. For sure. So I'm not talking partisanship here. I'm just saying I, ideal, uh, idealistically, ideologically, the left, the socialist, the Marxist. Okay. Yeah. Um, movement. These people are, you know, people make a very dangerous tactical area if you assume that these people are not smart. They are very smart. People. No, it's it's clear they're super smart. I agree. They are. These are very, very smart people we're dealing with here. Very smart. I'll tell you how smart. They were smart enough to know how to triangulate their opposition a long time ago. To where no matter what you do, you're going to step into a trap they set decades ago. That's why they're so confident right now, I think. It is why they're so confident right now. They're not totally confident. If they were totally confident, they wouldn't have fencing, razor wire, and troops standing around their offices right now. Okay? Right. So they're not totally confident. They are a little bit concerned. What if the American people figure out what we're doing to them, and what if they rise up? Let's keep the fences. Let's keep the razor wire. Let's keep the troops here uh, just in case. So they're not 100% confident. Right. But, but they are 80 or 90% confident. And what made them that confident was how easy it was to lock the whole country down for a year on a, uh, on a bogus COVID event. Yeah, everybody wearing the mask sign of submission and all that it, stuff. That's all it is. It's a sign of submission. That's yeah. all it is. It's no secret. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist, but it didn't take me any time at all to go and research 20 different studies at the best medical centers and universities in the world uh, the efficiency and effectiveness of these masks, and none of them are designed, nor will they ever prevent the spread of a virus. This one That's or any right. other. That's okay? the same checking that any doctor would do to find out the same thing. That's correct. And it's not a secret. You just have to go do the research and figure it out for yourself, because the media is not going to tell you that. They're telling you the opposite. Right. Okay? Yes. So, so you're going to have to, you know, the American people have to stop. They have to turn off the television, turn off the radio, listen to programs like this from independent individuals who are out there doing the research and trying desperately to share it with the public and being shut down on Twitter and shut down on Facebook. Why are we all shut down? It's because we're breaking their narrative. That's why. So after 30 years of working on this stuff and learning as much as you have, if you were the main 
consultant to say, okay, here's the situation. Here's the chess puzzle with three moves left in the game. Here's where the pieces are. Um, what, given the nature and the state of unconsciousness that most of the population is in right now, given all that stuff and understanding the situation, uh, how do you, how do you succeed at winning this game? I'll go back and begin with one of those one-liners we all grew up with. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Divided, we will fall. Period. Period. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which means we have no choice but to unite in order to do anything. Whatever it is we're going to do, we can't do it alone. Okay. Yeah. One one person steps out, they're going to get thrown in jail or worse. Ten people step out, they're all going to go to jail or worse. A hundred people step out, they're going to go to jail. Then they'll have IRS audits and they'll lose their house. They they have ways of dealing with small groups. They have no way of dealing with a large group. Okay. Our military is currently made up of about 800,000 soldiers. And that's all. Mm -hmm. Combat trained soldiers. Okay. So a million Americans can do anything they want to do. Half of those soldiers would be on our side anyway. That's right. Okay. Yeah. A million Americans can do anything they want to do. There's nobody to stop them. There's nobody to stop them. So in my opinion, the salute, the only solution we have at this point, the only solution is the American people, the ones who are awake, the ones who are paying attention, the ones who have gone and done the research and figured a lot of these things out already they need to stop sitting at home wringing their hands and gnashing their teeth and waiting for somebody else to do something they need to get engaged with organizations where they can unify and they can move in a single direction in a single time in a significant number and i have people say this all the time why are you talking about civil war well let me answer that real quick it would take more people and more resources to take this country back by force than it would to take it back peacefully Right. So, okay. Right. You, we, can, we, we can do this without anybody carrying a single weapon of any kind. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to do it in enough numbers that there's nothing they can do about it. Are you saying to do it like Gandhi took India back from the British? That's exactly what I am saying. I'm saying we simply throw off these chains that they shackled us with and we stand up together and we return to work and we reopen our businesses and we burn our masks in the street and we refuse to follow what we know are unlawful and unconstitutional orders, no matter where they're coming from, whether they're coming from Washington, D.C., or whether they're coming from the governor's office or whether they're coming from the local health department. And we invite those in law enforcement who agree with us to join us, those in the military who agree with us to join us, and let's put an end to this thing. That's the only way this stops. That's the only way this stops. I think the authorities agree with you because they're using censorship to, and infiltration of every organization that seems threatening in order to prevent, to, to prevent people from unifying. That's right. Yeah. So they're agreeing with you that that's the way to do it. So knowing about the realistic aspect of infiltration and watching organizations and the censorship, how do you, with that in mind, achieve that degree of unification that is effective? You have to have someone capable of leading and financing that because it costs money. Everything costs money. 
Okay. Big time. And so you have to have someone who is capable of doing that right at this moment in history. There's no man more capable of that than Donald Trump. And so, you know, I did an open letter. I wrote an open letter to Donald Trump this morning. Yeah. And, um, you know, I make six, I think it is specific requests for him to do immediately. I don't know if he'll ever read it. I don't know if he'll do any of it. Right. Uh, he would have to backtrack on a lot of what he's doing right now in order to do what I asked. He'd have to get educated on some things for sure. He'd have to get educated. On some things. He seems in my estimation, he's got the character, the courage. And even after losing about half of his money, he's still rich enough to finance it. Well, and, and the pe- and the people would help him finance this because yeah. they will follow him. That's the thing, you know, and I've had people, over the years that, you know, there's another, uh, thing that people said to me, well, we need another George Washington. And I said, that's what George Washington said. Yeah, yeah. The, the, good, the good guys never want to be the one to do it. <laughs> you know, and I said, you know, the fact is where the condition of the country is at this very moment, although I think it is improving. I do yeah. think it's improving. I think Trump can do a lot to improve it very quickly, if he will. He could. Okay. He's got the appeal and the followers. He does. I mean, 80 million plus people I know voted for that guy. So we know we got That's 80 right. million strong here. Okay. That's right. If we got just 10% of them moving in the same direction at the same time, this is over. It would be enough. Okay? Yeah. It'd be right. enough. Okay. Right. Peacefully. And so, so, I mean, it's not that there's nothing we can do, but we are down to that's pretty much the only thing we can do. Well, because, because you, what you're looking for is a benevolent, a truly benevolent um, billionaire. Yes. And so at first, because somebody has to, uh, what do they call it? Uh, somebody has to do the seed money, right? To get it rolling. But once they get it rolling, I'm sure that there's a lot of us out here that would help crowd finance it, if you yeah. will. And you, you want know? a personality that will be the focal point of the unity to start. Absolutely. And someone who's already a you know, recognized leader, uh, somebody who already has a very large following, somebody who has great loyalty within his following. Right. Um, you know, and right at the moment, he is the George Washington in this country. Now, we'll see if he can rise to that occasion the way George Washington did or not. Yeah. Um, but, but he has what it takes to do it if he would do it. And I realize what's at stake when I say that. Mm-hmm. I know what they will try to do to him. I know what they'll try to do to every kid he has, every business he has, every grandkid and great-grandkid he has. I know exactly what they will try to do to him. So we're asking a great deal of him to do what I'm saying. But yeah. I know he has the power and authority to do it and the leadership quality to do it. And I know he has enough yeah. followers to do it. I totally you know, that's the thing, um, you know, it would, you know, prior to prior to Donald Trump showing up on the political scene, there was no George Washington in this country anymore. Right. Right. Um, and there was no one that had enough high visibility um, and loyalty to be able to do, you know, a George Washington move. Uh, and, you know, and so and they were beholden to some corrupt influence for the continuation of their money. Well, that's right. And, no, uh, that's and again, both sides of the political aisle, you know, well, the reason this, you know, the reason they keep extending this COVID thing is because governors want the money. That's why mm-hmm. there's no there's no emergency in any of these states. On COVID, there isn't. No. There's not. Well, okay. Most likely, there never was because the most likely there never was. The That's cases right. were all built on false testing. They absolutely were. 
you know, and there's still lawsuits pending, by the way, from I see there's seven or eight university uh, labs uh-huh. still trying to get just one sample of COVID-19 from the CDC. CDC does not have it. Yeah, they, they don't have one. It doesn't exist. It doesn't yeah. exist. No, so it's such an obvious common sense nonsense yep. that uh, the only way people fall for it is they're they're so unconscious at the moment. People are waking up. Um, yeah. People are starting to to uh, at least on their own level begin to take their lives back. Yeah. But if they want to take this country back, they're going to have to unify a significant number behind a leader. And I think, I can't name anybody besides Trump that I think is capable of leaving that right this minute. Yeah, I would like to. But aside from his real, you know, deep misconceptions and unawareness of some important areas, those could all be fixed because of his good attitude. You yeah. know, as, as far as who he is, as a, you know, as far as who he is as a person, I don't even know him. I've never met him. I've never gone to dinner with him. I don't know who he is as a person. I know who they say he is, and I don't believe it. And so... Well, they say he's a Russian agent, racist, misogynist. Uh, uh, trust, trust, me, yeah. trust me, if he was, they'd have proven that a long time ago, because they tried. They tried everything under the sun to well, prove Well, the other thing is, if he really was bad, they would love him. Well, that's right. If he was that, he'd be on their side. That's, There'd be that's no right. complaints at all. None, none at all. And yeah. so uh, at the end of the day, you know, he's the guy. He has to be the guy because there isn't another guy. So the um, issue is to get to him at this point, right, in the near future. It is. The issue is to get to him. That is correct. And he's clearly him. Being controlled still by people who realize the possibility and will do anything they can to prevent it happening. You know, it's unfortunate. I have kids, too, so I get it, you know, but yeah, but Ivanka, Ivanka is not a great advisor to him. Not on a lot of this. That's a very nice way to say it. Yeah, I totally. And and uh, and Jared probably isn't either. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the two boys probably are good advisors to him other than, um, you know, it's family. And there's a, just a natural tendency that no matter what else is happening to protect family first. Yeah, um, that's just yeah. a natural, uh, instinctive thing for all of us to do. Um, you can't hold that against him on one hand, and no. I think he would. I think he'd take the risk if he knew he had the people behind him. And you know, I had written a book actually. I don't think I ever mentioned that to you. I'll send no. you a copy. No, I'd like to see it. We had written a book titled "Trump: The Next or the New American Revolution." That was written in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started writing it. Tim and I before he even announced he was going to run and it was released in April of 2016 when Trump was still at 1% in the primary polls. Right, right, right. And the book predicted he was going to win easily in 2016 and why, and what was going to happen the minute he did. And that book has proven to be 100% true every day since it was published. There must be somebody who could help, get an idea like this in Trump's hands in not just in writing, because that's probably not going to suffice. It would have to be in the presence of someone capable of explaining it. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you, I'm nobody special, but I'm willing to try. Do you, how, what, how do you think you would even approach that project to try to do it? Cause it seems like that's the key. Get it ready to present and then get to him and somehow do it in a way that you don't get killed right away or in a time. <laughs> I'd yeah. say that it's much easier now that he's not in office 
because we tried working with him while he was in office. Yeah. And, yeah. and his chiefs of staff kept blocking us from being able to get to him. At one point, they were blocking his own kids from getting to him. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how much of that is going on now. There may be some still. I'm sure there's still some, but because he's not currently in office, I think he's probably a lot easier to get to now than he was before. Right. And, so uh, I would be interested in investigating this with you because it looks like, you know, according to the logic that you presented in the last hour or so, this is really a, an extremely important key element that has to precede many of the others. And I've had people recently on the show who have said, well, we don't want to be dependent on one person. And, and you don't have to if, if the public is fairly conscious. But if they're scattered and fighting with each other and so stupid that they believe in fighting about race and gender and other stuff like that, you need a focal point leader to pull them out of the fog, I would say. Even a lot of, you know, the difference between, again, I'll use the term for lack of a better one, uh, the political left and political right. The difference between the two fundamentally in my experience, Mm -hmm. is that the left, they understand one thing and only one thing. They understand collective bargaining. Okay. They understand they have to move in groups in a unit. They understand that there's strength in numbers, whether they're burning cities with BLM and Antifa, or whether they're standing outside of the courthouse the other day on the Chauvin trial, making sure that there was no juror not going to vote guilty because they thought they weren't going to make it home or to the grocery store afterwards. They understand understand mob rule, okay? It's called community organizing is the polite term for it, I think. That's the polite term, but it's mob rule. That's what it is, okay? Yeah. And so... (laughs) The, I mean, that was a lynch mob out there, and everybody, including the jurors, knew it. Yeah, so absolutely. Not, you know, so uh, at the end of the day, um, the right, the political—that's the political left—and they mar- and they're very good at marching in lockstep. They don't know how to do anything else but march in right. lockstep and follow each other into the uh, blaze in the middle of the city and throw a party. Yeah, and and so, but the political right is made up of largely self-reliant, independent people who would just rather be left alone and not bothered with and let them live, live their lives and run their businesses and yeah. grow their families and go to church on Sunday. And uh, it's a totally People different. Are more normal. Don't want to tell anybody else what to do. That, that's correct. That is correct. And so it's much more difficult, much more difficult to unify the political right and mobilize them in a single direction. It just doesn't come natural to them. It's not what they do every day of their lives. They have to give up their normal beliefs and their independence for a moment and gather with others to get something accomplished in order to be able to fully return back to their lives and their independent agendas once that's over. They're going to have to temporarily unify. They're going to have to lay down, you know, and I've, I've been in meetings where everybody in the room is an accomplished person. Everybody in the room has a huge ego. Everybody. And the difference between, in fact, that's true at North American Law Center. And we have knocked down drag out fights over what's the right thing to do here, you know. And so, but I'll tell you the difference between North American Law Center and everybody else and every other organization I've ever been around. 
Nobody leaves the room. Nobody gets up, takes her football, and goes home. We yeah. stay in the room. We get through the knockdown dragout until we all agree on the right thing to do. And then well, we do it. That can only happen if you also have individuals that believe more in they want to know what's true than that they have to be the one who owns it. It's not important who's right. It's only important what's right. Yeah, it's not an ego issue at all. No. No. So. And everybody in that room understands that. We all are very strong personalities, of course. We're all our own people, our own movers and shakers. Right. <laughs> and uh, like anybody else who's, you know, likely to be on the political right in this country. Yeah. And, um, but we also understand that we, none of us can do anything about any of this alone. Right. Period. Period. And divided, we absolutely will fall as a nation and as a people. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, you're leaving it in a hopeful place, but I think what it comes down to, since we, you know, it looks like to have the best chance of turning everything around, it's pretty essential to have a leader with certain rare qualities combined. And right now, assuming that, you know, Trump can be educated in some areas that he needs help with, if we're right about his character, and I think it is, then, you know, if his character was really bad, he'd be president right now because they would they would love to have him in office. The reason he's kicked out is an affirmation of his character. And I totally agree with that. And whatever anybody else may think of Donald Trump, the one thing I feel very certain of from my experience is this guy loves this country. He does. And the media would have loved him if he hated it. That's you know, right. This was the most coordinated hate campaign against a president that has happened in the history of the country, I'm sure. Absolutely right. Right, which really speaks well for him. So um, if you're open to it, we should talk more about the basic simple steps, putting the best possible thing together to present, getting somebody to do it, and then if he can be reached and ex- you know, explained what it really means and what's needed, then a fantastic loyal security team would be the first step, I think. So that absolutely. doesn't disappear. Yeah, absolutely. Him and his whole family, really. And, I, and that's doable. That is doable. You know, a team of uh, special forces, retired special forces guy will take right. care of that. Right. I agree. They have to be not for sale. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't get into special forces for the most part. There's an exception to the rule, very, very rare exception to the rule. But as a general rule, you don't get into the special forces in this country unless you're an exceptional person. Yeah, I agree with that. The people I've met have shown that's Mm -hmm. true. Well, we have a lot more to talk about, so um, hopefully you'll be willing to come back at some point. And um, I just think the work that you're doing is really valuable. So if people... Before we sign off, if people want to get in touch with you and your organization, how do they do that? Uh, well, the organization website is uh, northamericanlawcenter.org, or you can get there a lot easier if you just do tnalc.org, which is stand, it's the acronym for North, the North American Law Center.org. Okay. Um, uh, so the acronym will get you there, too. And, um, and you can communicate through there. Uh, my direct email yeah. uh, is jb.tnalc at gmail.com. 
And and for the people that you want to work with, what what's the ideal person that you're looking for that you want to contact you? Um, I, I, we need movers and shakers. We need unifiers. We need people who are bright people and who are community leaders, but who understand that we can't do this with 10,000 little uh, community groups operating in 10,000 different directions. It's like putting, you know, it's like hitching a horse to all four corners of the wagon and the horse is all pulling as hard as they can. The wagon had moved an inch. You know, we have, we have to put all the horses in front of the wagon here and we're all smart people. We're all uh, driven people. We are all um, people who are, are accustomed to leading all of us. Um, but we have to lead together is the issue. Right. And you've right. got to hit the delicate balance of doing that in harmony without people giving up their individuality. Absolutely. And we don't want them to give up their individuality. We don't want people who mindlessly walk in and lockstep. We want thinkers. We want movers and shakers. We want people who have financial resources, too, because, uh, you know, throughout our existence, we've operated on fumes. We do not take any money from the government. Right. Uh, we do not take we we do. We are not even a 501c3 at the moment because there are restrictions that you have to comply with in order to hold a 501c3. You asked me early in the interview, and I'll come back to it real quick. Um, we chose not to do that. We are a nonprofit uh, corporation, but we are not a 501c3 designated by the IRS because we are not going to disclose who all of our donors are to the IRS. Right. We're not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're, we're just simply not going to do that. And you have to do that if you're going to be a 501c3. And you also have to agree not to engage in certain actions. So all you could do is research. You couldn't do anything with the research you have. So can and you be a 501c4? Um, there is a place where we could have a subsidiary that is a C4 um, for certain types of things. Uh, we could also have a 527 for certain types of things. But the, the overall organization, uh, you know, we, we simply this government is not somebody we can do business with right this minute. You know, if, if the government was cleaned up and the swamp was drained, we would file for a 501c3. But right now, the 501c3 status is being used to control these organizations. They can talk about their research and their opinions all day long, but they are not allowed to actually do anything about it. Right. You can't support candidates and things like that. Right, right. C3. Okay. Well, hopefully, if people just want to stay in touch with what you're doing, is there anywhere to... I guess your website, right, to read about developments on there. If they, yeah, if they go to, um, well, if they send me an email yeah. at the uh, address I gave you, um, or if they contact us through the website itself, uh, they can get on a mail list. Now, I will tell okay, you, we have, we have three different types of mail lists, and, and we communicate with our people usually minimum of once a week, sometimes two or three, depending on what all is going on that week. Um, you know, if there's a lot of things that need to be moving very quickly and right now, a lot of things do need to move very quickly. Yeah. And so, um, but we do communicate very regularly with everyone. We keep everybody that we're dealing with, but I will tell you, there's three different levels of signing in. Uh, one is just general interest and the stuff that is not really action oriented. Uh, those people will receive that. They'll receive our opinions about things or a copy of our research about this or that, but mm-hmm. they won't be included in 
action-oriented type things because we don't know, we can't bet who's in there. Okay. Okay. And we, you know, and we learned a long time ago. We set uh, originally uh, with Patriot Union, we set a twenty-nine dollar annual dues to join that, and it wasn't about the twenty-nine dollars. The twenty-nine dollars kept people from infiltrating because they didn't they they were so hated us so much they didn't want to give us twenty nine dollars in order to infiltrate us so you know what i mean (laughs) so so when we have donors when we have people who are active action-oriented participants who are helping us carry the ball here those people are fully in the know and those people have a voice in what it is we're doing here Right. But people who just have a general broad interest, they will get the lesser information because we don't know who's in that group. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. So people will stay in touch and um, we'll stay in touch with you too and, and kind of support the ideas that we ended up with, uh, which I think are, are really good distillation of, of everything that we're looking at. The first choice is if you have a, a leader who fills the qualifications and can learn the areas that they're weak in because their character uh, compensates for that. And uh, that's certainly more desirable than a leaderless group with no funding. So, Well, that's right. And I'll tell you, you know, a long time ago in an interview, radio interview, somebody said to me, you know, I've talked to a lot, a lot of people about you, JB, and you've kind of got a my way or the highway personality and, and uh, reputation. I said, that is totally unfair and not true. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, it's more like on the bus or under the bus. <laughs> yeah. I don't get that feeling from you at all. I just think. And that- I said, and he said, well, do you think you're always right? I said, absolutely. I'm right. A hundred percent of the time. And he kind of laughed. He said, are you serious? I said, I'm dead serious. I said, I'm right. 50% of the time, right out of the gate. The rest of the time I adjust until I get it right. Yeah, it just takes a while. Yeah, exactly. The second half, right. We're still working on it, most of us. But but I don't know anybody who would admit they're wrong and fix quicker than I will. Yeah, that's really, that means you progress really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, this is fun. So we'll continue and hold on and we'll say goodbye in the break here in a minute. Okay. So there goes J.B. Williams, somebody that I didn't even know about or the work that he was doing a few weeks ago. I just noticed that he wrote a great article and uh, I found out that he's wrote, written a lot of great articles and really clear thinking, really uh, dedicated to helping the countries in America. And he wants America to be a great example to other countries for freedom, for natural rights and rights that according to the founders of America, belong to everybody in the world. And we're told by the major media that nationalism is terrible. And of course, I really trust the major media. They wouldn't tell us anything unless it was really reliably false. I mean, you you do have to check that. They make mistakes once in a while. But in this case, I think we can trust them. And uh, that means nationalism is important, good, and it's a tool for spreading healing all over the world. And the reason the reason that they're against it is because any nation, not just America, that really stands up to protect the natural rights and freedoms of their own citizens is an example to all the other countries to do the same thing. And then they deal with each other from positions of self-reliance and independence 
and you get a beautiful spirit of cooperation in the world among the countries that are populated by people that are conscious enough to hold them to the the freedom standard and the individual rights and the natural rights that everybody has. So I think it's extremely important that the work that J.B. Williams is doing gets more widely known and especially that it becomes more and more effective. And I totally agree with him that the time is going by fast right now that remains to turn around the trajectory of where America is going right now is some kind of example for the world at the moment. Uh, the current and past presidents are both uh, saying things that are very destructive to the country, and the current administration is doing doing things to follow up on that that's destroying the, the country through uh, massive invasion across the southern border, as well as the continuation of lockdowns. You remember that 15 days to stop to flatten the curve, I guess they said. That's still going on. They they just forgot to say which 15 days it was going to be, and it's still in force. That's to destroy business and destroy morale and destroy families and destroy people's motivation to do anything and become dependent on government. And once you're dependent on so-called free money from government, then that always becomes conditional. And that's meant to end dissent and all freedom, basically. So there's some few, a few things that need to be fixed in America if we're going to be any kind of example to the rest of the world of what a free country really looks like. And there, most people haven't been taught about this in modern times, but there are old legends and myths about America originally being established for individual freedom not the collective good of the whole through government controlling everybody's life. It was individual freedom. Take the risks that are inherent in controlling your own life and the motivation that goes with that to develop yourself into the best possible version of yourself that you can, that you can conceivably be. And we need to get that back. The rest of the world needs some example of somebody that's going to do that. And I think, uh, since America is theoretically founded on those principles, we should do it and encourage everybody else to do the same thing. So remember that uh, JB gave his website as NorthAmericanLawCenter.org or T-N-A-L-C, the letters that it stands for, dot O-R-G. And uh, to stay in touch with his work that way, and we'll try to go on supporting it because I think his ideas are very sound that he presented today that's about it for tonight's show and this has been the sunday show we remember that we have a saturday show every week on uh saturday afternoon u.s time anyway uh 4 30 pacific 7 30 eastern for one hour and half an hour after that's over then we've got the meeting of planetary healing club for the people that want to get into these things on a deeper level and start transforming their own lives as a first step to making a better contribution to the whole world and the people immediately around us. That can be accessed by anybody that would like to do that work, primarily working on yourself, getting your health back, clearing your consciousness, getting rid of uh, negative mind programs that are tearing us down without us realizing it. That kind of work is carried on every week, interactive, live. Doug and I are there every week on uh, planetaryhealingclub.com in order to get into that. 
what else did I want to tell you? Uh, if you want to keep us on the air, we could really use assistance with that right now, especially with the, the censorship. So share, share the links to all the shows that you can. Let people know that if it's not, if the show's not on one of the major platforms, then it's probably on one of the newer ones, the ones that support uh, free speech. You can keep track of which ones we're on by going to lostartsradio.com and support us financially if you've got resources to do that at the donate button at lostartsradio.com, lostartsresearchinstitute.org, and also on subscribestar.com slash lostartsradio. Any assistance is, is greatly appreciated, but you know we're not asking for financial support. If you're really struggling for survival, please take care of yourself first, your own family, your own commitments, and then if you've got discretionary ability to help us, that would be great. I think that's about it. Stay in touch. Uh, comments and, and responses to the show, uh, people that you'd like to see on as guests, questions about Planetary Healing Club, anything that you want us to know about, just send it in. There's comment forms on uh, both of the websites, lostartsradio.com and lostartsresearchinstitute.org, or you can email me, richard, at lostartsradio.com, and I read all of those, and I'll answer within the possibilities of what time does. It's racing by right now, and we're still trying to stay in touch with all of you because... The whole point of taking the time and energy to do any of these shows is to support you in realizing that you're critical to the future of the world. You're the most important person. You personally, not in general everybody, but you are, that's why you're told that you can't do anything, that you're one helpless individual out of eight million, and eight billion, I mean, that's totally opposite of the truth. Anybody that does the work to wake up, focus their own consciousness, get their physical health back, and start coming back to their forgotten normal state has a massive impact on the whole world. And you're the one who can do that. So really support and encourage you in doing that. You can start anytime, and right now is a good idea. So start with... Uh, Assessing your current condition and upgrade it right away and then really do it. Act on it. That's a suggestion because you're so valuable to the future of the world for the sake of generations that are waiting on us to come in later. And everybody who's here now too. Because this could get turned around very quickly. You know, don't think it has to take a long time. Anyway, thanks for being with us. I appreciate the time and I hope that you have a good rest of the week. And we'll meet you here again next week at the same time. Talk to you soon. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level. From extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind, 
and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big text platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows, except the banned ones, are on our YouTube channel, at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit Brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum, as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. Something just ain't right So I asked 
If I stay here or if I go 